This episode brought to you by Audible, your audio book source with over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And today, you can receive a free audiobook and 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash richtakeonsports. So don't wait. That's audibletrial.com slash richtakeonsports for your free audiobook and 30-day free trial. Listen to your audiobook anywhere, anytime. Taking sports to another level. Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Exploring the latest headlines and going behind the scenes with in-depth interviews, hearing personal stories and the impact of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. What time is it? This is Rich Take on Sports. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever format that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. And welcome, everyone, to episode number 20. Not only am I excited because this is our 20th episode since we launched in May, but we are now into August, and that can only mean one thing. And for most of the listeners out there, I don't even have to say it, but I just like saying it. Yes, it's almost time for football. And what better guest to have this episode than none other than former Clemson Tiger offensive lineman Eric McLean, who definitely knows what it's like for many of these players reporting to all of the college campuses across this country. Now, don't forget our website is the one-stop source for all and any information about the podcast, and that's richtakeonsports.com, and there you can find all of our episodes. From there, you can also subscribe through whatever platform you prefer, Apple Podcast, Google Play, or Stitcher, and let's stay connected. And the best way is through Twitter, and you can follow at Rich Take Sports. And also, you know, you can actually even email me as well. I really do enjoy getting emails with feedback, and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad or whatever. I just enjoy connecting. So please email me because I'm always striving to get better, and I really do appreciate any feedback. And that email is richmond at richtakeonsports.com. So let's hear from Eric McLean, who's our guest in this episode in the Rich Spotlight. Shining brightly to share the stories of people in sports. This is the Rich Spotlight. Our guest today is Eric McLean, former offensive lineman for the Clemson Tigers from 2011 to 2015, where he helped lead the Tigers to a 14-1 record and into the national championship game in January of 2016 in the first matchup versus Alabama, coming up just short for the national title. And in that 2015 season, Eric was selected preseason first-team All-ACC and earned All-ACC academic honors before transitioning outside of playing football, where he is now working for JMI Sports, the total campus marketing partner of Clemson University. And our interview was just before he got married this past June 24th. So I asked him, so how crazy is his life at this moment? Man, it's been a whirlwind, it seems, um, with just all the stuff. Like you said, new job, you know, kind of working for Clemson University, or they're kind of a client of ours with the company I'm working for, JMI Sports. Uh, so very thankful for that opportunity that's kind of arisen from that. Kind of a marketing, you know, just the, the rights holder uh, for different, different things with athletics and campus. 
Uh, so we're really intrigued and excited to kind of start that new journey. Moving up to Greenville, obviously, I, I was working in the athletic department uh, for Clemson, kind of as a graduate assistant. So I was living there in, in uh, student housing still. Uh, so finally, you know, coming into my adult ways and, and getting off of campus and out of there, just moved up to Greenville, where we're living in a, in a loft-style apartment. And the big thing kind of looming over us, which is great, but it seems like it's been a long time coming, is our wedding getting married up in Highland. So really, really excited about that. It seems like it's been forever, that we've been engaged forever. But, you know, it's finally here and we're counting down the days. Now that you're looking into this next chapter, but still being in sports. So let's walk back because sports is obviously important to you. So walk us through your earliest memories of sports and the first time you got involved in sports as a kid. Yeah. And I tell you, it's funny. So so my dad always, I guess, had a plan for my brother and I that we weren't going to play football till about fifth, sixth grade. Uh, so he kind of just wanted us to fully develop uh, and not go out there and break any bones or, you know, try and ruin any of our growth that way. And, you know, just mature because football is, you know, such a violent game. You know, people say that, you know, it's a, it's a contact sport, but that's not true. It's a collision sport. Uh, basketball is a contact sport. So there's, a, there's another level uh, when you're playing football. So, so really the first sport that I played uh, competitively, at least or, uh, on a team, uh, was soccer. Fell in love with that. Played that for many years as a child, kind of growing up. And then basketball. We were probably about the third grade. I started playing basketball, and that was the love of my life. Still to this day, you know, wish I was six foot seven, six foot eight, and in the NBA right now. But it didn't work out that way. And uh, you know, at, going into the fifth grade, kind of growing up, and you know, just being that big kid always. You know, people would approach me, "Why aren't you playing football? Why aren't you playing football?" I was like, "Yeah, man, my dad, he just won't let me." And so, but very thankful for that because. You know, like I said, there's there's a, a maturity to it that comes with that. And I definitely wouldn't have been ready before uh, the fifth grade. So very happy for that. And kind of after that, it's kind of history. Um, you know, you kind of grew up playing on the offensive line, just kind of being the biggest guy and uh, out at tight end, kind of the, the natural position that I grew into as my body changed and developed. Still all the while playing uh, basketball, uh, which really I think was a big key to my development as an athlete, just because the, the the nuances that are in basketball, which I know you know all about with your aspirations to be a coach or have them. And so really just just loved that. Went into high school, and that's when it really started becoming uh, a job, uh, not to the extent of college because you know that's a whole other level, but uh, it's something that you focused on every single day. It's something that took up a lot of your time. You know during the summers. When people are going on vacation, going to the beach, you know, I'm going to camps. Uh, so I, I joked around with my fiance and said that this this past summer after we graduated and my eligibility was up, uh, we took a little vacation. I said, babe, this is my first vacation since the sixth grade. <laughs> and it's just it's pretty <laughs> incredible how consuming sports can be. But at the same time, they're such a great avenue. Uh, they help people so much. And, and I think about the relationships that I met or the relationships I developed because of sport, you know, I met men and women that I would never have met if I, if I wasn't, you know, an athlete. And I just, I reflect back on those things and just, I'm very happy and very, you know, kind of proud of the, of the way that my parents handled it and the way that we kind of went out my whole sports career. Your first love is basketball, but then when you start playing football, did you have the same type of passion for football as you did for basketball once you actually got to start playing? You know, I really didn't. Uh, because I started, like I said, on, on the offensive line just because I was too big to carry the ball um, and played on the on the defensive side mostly. 
um, just because I, I was too big. And so, of course, nobody likes that job. Nobody wants to just block, uh, not catch touchdowns or, or throw touchdowns or anything of that nature. So basketball was really a dominating force in my life. When I tell you about those camps, it wasn't football camps. It was basketball camp. <laughs> so basketball was still the passion. And so when did it become apparent that it's actually going to be football that's going to be my next career path into college? Yeah, it probably was, you know, my eighth grade summer going into high school, going into ninth grade. We went we went to a football camp um, at the University of Tennessee. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a crazy story. We'll never forget it. My dad was deployed at the time. He's still serving in our uh, United States Air Force, lieutenant colonel. Uh, but he was overseas at the time. And so it was my mom, my brother, uh, my cousin, and maybe a couple of friends. And we all went to the, like I said, the, the University of Tennessee's football camp. Uh, Todd Boyd was there. Bryce Petty was there. Some really heavy hitters at the time. And I'm just this kid, this funky kid who's probably 6'3", 6'4", you know, 230, 240 pounds, don't know anything, uh, but I could catch the ball. Um, and so we, we got in there, we were doing some routes and running some plays and, you know, just doing some stuff in the camp. Uh, and I caught Dan Brooks's attention, who Dan Brooks was my recruiter at Tennessee and then my recruiter at uh, Clemson eventually, uh, where he just retired from last year. And, uh, you know, he kind of brought me over and was talking with me and asking me all these questions. And when I told him I was going to Jack Britt, uh, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, he he and uh, my head coach at the time, Richard Bailey, were, you know, lifelong friends. They've known each other forever. And so that kind of just helped him bridge the gap of the program that I was going to be going into, the, the, the development that I was going to be getting from a football side. So he kind of could see the vision of what was to come. Uh, and at the end of the camp, uh, Philip Fulmer offered me a full scholarship. And so you have to understand where, you know, I come from. I'm still a, a child. And in instance, my mom has no clue about football or scholarships or any of that stuff. So, you know, we get in the car and, you know, I tell her, Hey mom, you know, coach offered me a scholarship. You know, what does that mean? And uh, she was like, Oh, I don't know. That's great. Though. And she thinks it's no big deal. And uh, just saying that's great, honey. You know, so proud of how hard you work. Um, really excited. Let's call your dad and tell him. Cause he had a, he had a satellite phone. And so we give him a call and tell him. And uh, so I'm like, dad, Philip Palmer offered me uh, a scholarship. And it's just quiet on the other side of the phone. And, uh, and we're just sitting there like, what, 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 dad, did you hear me? He was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> we're like, no, is, is that not good? I thought I did really good at the camp. And he was like, you need to turn around and tell him, thank you so much. And that you'll be contacting him soon. <laughs> and then he kind of explained the, the severity of what had happened. And, you know, we were so oblivious. Um, but you know, at, at that point, that was probably where we really understood, Hey, you know, this whole football thing might work out. Okay. And so at that point, now, did you put all your focus into football or did you continue to play both sports, basketball and football? Oh yeah. I play, I played both sports throughout uh, high school, really thought about trying at the college level, but obviously the commitment there was way too much. Um, but yeah, was solely, solely still in love with basketball, but th there was just that idea uh, kind of in the back of my mind. And then probably around the 10th grade, you know, where I stopped kind of growing, I was about six, four and a half, six, five, you know, I, I had the skills on the court where I could, you know, I could shoot and dribble and pass. Um, but, you know, I wasn't the fastest guy. So there was no way I was going to be guarding uh, the LeBron Jameses and uh, uh, Kobe Bryant of the world. Uh, so that's when that transition probably really hit. It was probably about the 10th grade. And that's when, you know, still played, uh, but didn't go to camps anymore. Stopped playing AAU and, you know, really locked into football and all that kind of is entailed with that. 
you get the offer from Philip Fulmer and what was the recruiting process like after that as now you're progressing into your senior year in high school? Were you highly recruited and how did you choose Clemson? So, so this was my, literally my freshman year before football season, I'm getting this offer and I was the best kept secret for probably two years. You know, no, no one knew that I had the offer. It was just me and coach and my head coach at high school and, uh, you know, we're like, we're all in. We want to go. That's funny that I say that. That's a Clemson <laughs> term. Um, but we're, 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 you know, we're committed to you guys. You know, I, I actually grew up in Tennessee for uh, about 11 years. Uh, my father got out of the Air Force when I was born. Um, we lived in Tennessee. That's where my mom's whole side of the family is. We lived right in Powell, uh, which is probably five minutes from Knoxville. And so kind of grew up there, growing up a ball fan, an SEC fan. And then when they fired Fulmer, you know, we kind of took a step back um, just because communication was strange. You know, after he had left, uh, the recruiting was weird. You know, they didn't really know what they were doing. Uh, we didn't know if we still had an offer. Um, and that's when we kind of really pulled it back uh, and wanted to reevaluate how things were going, what was going on. And ironically, at the same time, Coach Brooks was getting hired by Clemson. So I have to admit, growing up, I had no clue who Clemson was, where Clemson was. Never heard of them in my entire life. So when he calls me up, this is probably my junior year now. You know, I probably have 20, 30 scholarships, top five tight end in the country. Um, you know, things are going great. And he call, gives me a call and uh, he says, hey, Eric, you know, I haven't seen you or talked to you in a, in a year. So I just wanted to let you know I'm at Clemson now. And uh, you know, my first question is, what is that? You know, is that a D1 college? <laughs> so it's just, it's very funny, you know, just how naive we were of the college football world outside of, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, because uh, we had no idea they played football anywhere else, you know, other than maybe Notre Dame. And so we, uh, we were very brand new to all that. And then, so I just, you know, I said, thanks coach. You know, it's great hearing from you, but you know, I'm, I'm going to play at an SEC school probably. And, uh, and so we did, we didn't talk for a little while. Uh, my parents and I are going on a, and my brother, uh, we're going on a big recruiting show. You know, we're up at the big 10 a little bit. We go down uh, to visit Tennessee again, just to see if anything was there for us, go down to Alabama, go to Auburn. And on our way home from Auburn, we're coming up 85 and uh, we get a call again. And it's coach Brooks. And he said, Hey man, you know, I heard that you guys were in Auburn. And, uh, you know, I know that to go to Fayetteville, you got to come right past Clemson. You know, why don't you just come by and see us? I'd love to see you and the family. I haven't seen you in a while. And so we're like, what? Like, how does he know that we're here? This is crazy. But with the world today, especially now, I mean, I couldn't imagine with the social media and how much everybody knows every step you make. You know, but he knew we were there. Word gets around. And so we we type it into the, uh, the GPS and Clemson is literally 40 minutes away from where we are. And so we're like, well, you know, we're on the way home. Let's, let's go see Coach Brooks. We need, we need to see him. We haven't seen him in a while. It'd be, it'd be great to hang out and see his wife uh, and his kids. And so <laughs> we go, and I tell you what, man, it was the perfect storm. You know, we're getting off 85 uh, right at sunset. So the, the clouds are purple and orange. And I'm just like, where the heck are we? This is <laughs> awesome. And then you keep going a little bit more, and there's tiger paws on the road. I'm just like, what is this? This is so crazy. And literally, so I was on spring break and we literally get there uh, on my last day of spring spring break and we stay an entire week, fell in love. It was the most amazing experience of my life. And you can directly attest to this. It's just such a special place with special people that I wanted to be a part of it. 
Yeah, very hard to deny Clemson's gravitational pull. There is no yeah, question about that. Now, so the question would also be then, if Philip Fulmer would have still been head coach at Tennessee, do you think even after visiting Clemson, you would have chosen Tennessee? I tell you what, we if they, if he would have never got fired, me and you would have never met. I would never know you. <laughs> I'd be a Rocky Top ball. <laughs> I understand. Because, and number number one, I probably wouldn't have been highly recruited um, because I had my offer. I, I was committed. I didn't go to any of the camps until after the fact that I decommitted. No one kind of knew who I was. Um, I was probably a little two or three star, you know, as a freshman slash sophomore. So no, no one really knew anything about me because I didn't go anywhere. So I'm sure that process would have been completely different. You fell in love with Clemson. You get to Clemson. Now walk us through, because you're a tight end, but then you eventually moved to offensive lineman. So how did all did that come about? So that, that was a, a crazy process. So, so coming into college and, you know, my senior year of high school, I was probably about 245. So 6'5", 245, you know, your, your typical prototype tight end, you know, for like a Big Ten SEC offense. You know, I didn't have crazy speed, but I could get it done and, you know, I could catch anything near me. So a big first down guy, but I wasn't going to, you know, outrun any linebacker or DB. Um, so get to college and, you know, that's kind of evident. You know, the game is so much faster, especially when you're when you're so young, when you're a freshman or or, you know, high schooler coming in. And uh, that was a big reality check, kind of what you went through with being a basketball coach. You know, I was going through as a player, uh, you know, being top five tight end in the country, um, you know, highly rated guy, kind of thumping my chest like, you know, I'm here to play. You know, I'm not here to sit around. And, uh, you know, when you get smacked in the face by guys like Andre Branch, um, you know, big linebackers, Stephon Anthony, who's my age. Uh, and you just kind of get a real dose of reality really quickly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just kind of found uh, that I was probably going to have to redshirt, um, was not ready at all to play. Uh, you know, physically I could hang out because I, I was getting a little bigger, uh, you know, developing in the weight room. But just the speed of the game was was too much for me to handle at that time. Uh, just come, going to, to an offense like we were with, you know, Chad Morris 2011. We were ramped up and full speed ahead. And so – you know, that kind of took its own path, you know, ended up redshirting, uh, got in the, the, the weight room a lot, a thing called, we call power hour. Um, you see some, some boys walk in there and then some grown men walk out. It, it's a great thing that we do, you know, very blessed to have been a part of that because it really laid uh, the foundation for me uh, from a work ethic standpoint. Not that I already didn't have those traits, but they just were uh, kind of exemplified and, and brought to a whole new level uh, just being in there a couple of hours a day with old Joey B. Um, so very blessed for that. And then kind of going into to my red shirt freshman year or sophomore year of college, um, we were very thin uh, on the offensive line. And, it, you know, it's always something that people joke about when you're a, a big, slow tight end is, oh, they're going to move you to offensive line. They're going to move you to offensive line. I was like, man, I have too good a hand. They're not going to waste their this awesomeness that they have right here <laughs> for that reality check. You know, it, it did a little bit, but not too much. Um, you know, they're not going to do that. You know, if I want to move, I'll move, blah, blah, blah. So we get about midway through the season. We're at NC State. Uh, I think it was maybe a Thursday night game, Friday. It was weird. And going to NC State is always weird, as, as Clemson fans know, and the history that we kind of have up there. And so very strange game. Probably was even Halloween. And we get a guy go down on the offensive line. And then another guy go down. And then another guy go down. So three of our already thin starting offensive line go down. And we just have nobody who can really go in at the time. 
And, you know, we get through that game, pretty sure that we won. Uh, and then when we get back home, you know, the guys that got injured or banged up were, were out for a couple of weeks. And so I, I lived with Ryan Norton, uh, who was a great influence in my life, really smart guy on the football field, really helped me kind of through this transition that we were about to go through. Uh, just talking with him and kind of seeing his thoughts about, you know, possibly me moving. And let me tell you a bad idea. If you're a tight end and you're talking to an offensive lineman about moving to the offensive line, he's going to convince you to move to the offensive line. <laughs> so it probably wasn't my smartest decision talking to an offensive lineman about making that move. You know, but we, we came to the conclusion that it would be best for the team uh, that I could make that transition easily. You know, I was probably about 255 at the time, so I'd put on some good weight uh, in the weight room, uh, got a lot stronger. Um, and I was just a big guy. You know, I had the, the body to kind of hold some more weight, and I knew I could make that transition. Uh, so go in and talk to Coach Sweeney, and, you know, we kind of go back and forth. And he was like, well, you know, Mac, I, I don't want you to do something that you're going to regret or something that you don't want to do. You know, I really appreciate that you're a team player, but you came here to be a tight end. You didn't come here to be an offensive lineman. And so I was very, you know, kind of happy um, and relieved that he felt that way, that, uh, you know, he, he made sure that he was empowering me either way. You know, it was going to be my decision. And then again, I spoke with Coach Brooks, who great friend, longtime friend of mine. And, you know, we kind of all came to the conclusion that that would be kind of the best move for the team and maybe even for me long term. So made that transition, and man, that was even tougher than getting into college because you're talking about playing a position that I've never played before in my life except for when I didn't know anything about football as a, as a tiny fifth grader. And going against these monsters that we have on our D-line, uh, the lineage that we have there is you know, second to none, especially of late. And so I'm going against these guys every single day and just getting my tail whipped. Uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, it was a struggle, and it was, it was something that I really – you know, I, I didn't regret it, but it was something that I definitely second-guessed myself for the first couple of months that this was happening just because I felt like I wasn't good enough. You know, it was hard for me to pick up the different offensive line positions because they're so much different from tight end, which a lot of people don't understand that. They think every football position is the exact same except for quarterback. So that, that was just something that I really kind of struggled with as a young player. And thanks to guys like Ryan Norton, Spencer Region, Reed Webster, uh, guys that really took me under their wing and, you know, helped me learn. Uh, the nuances of offensive line. And then just going through that transition will be real brief. So I went from 245 when I first stepped on campus to now at this point, probably 290 uh, in a span of a year and some change. And then my complete transition, I played at, in the national championship in 2015 at 325. And that was probably my peak as an offensive lineman. And, you know, the rest is kind of history with that transition. Walk us through what that looked like in terms of your daily caloric intake to be able to gain that much weight. It was a struggle for sure. And that, that was another kind of emotional and mental thing is because I knew I had to put on this weight to, to be able to hang. And I literally was in the dining hall eating six to seven times a day, you know, not eating fattening stuff, not eating back things, but like solid meals uh, that I knew would help me produce you know, the, the, the mass and muscle to, uh, to hang at the offensive line. So there was, there was a good time in my life where I just kind of closed my eyes, put my head down and just ate what was ever in front of me. Uh, and it was, it was pretty difficult, but, you know, looking back on it, it was probably pretty fun because, you know, eating food's a fun thing. <laughs> Without a doubt. Now walk us through just that evolution and the, what you were, uh, the emotions that you were going through of making that transition and then getting to the national championship. 
Yeah, so like like I, like I was previously saying, it was, it was a struggle to get there, um, but I think that we kind of saw the fruits of that going into my senior year. You know, my probably my sophomore and ju- redshirt sophomore and redshirt junior year were um, a little disappointing. You know, because I I gained this weight, I'd made that transition, I really knew the offense, but there was just something that you know, as an offensive lineman, you have to be a little different, and I wasn't quite there yet, so didn't probably see as much playing time as I wanted. Uh, and that was pretty frustrating, but just kind of knew uh, that if I hung in there and, you know, stayed to the task at hand, that eventually, you know, we would get there. And if that was just one year, you know, that, that was fine with me. And so that, that was kind of uh, hard as an athlete, especially being such a, a highly recruited guy um, and going through a humbling experience such as that. Uh, but in the end, I think it really, you know, kind of made me the player that I was for that, for that, those 15 games. So we'll, we'll look at the, the summer Going into my senior year, you know, Coach Sweeney asked me to go to ACC Media Day, which is something that, you know, I just kind of have developed over time. Being able to speak in front of a camera, in front of a microphone, I'm, I'm decent at it, I guess. Uh, so he, uh, he sent me up there, you know, had a blast, had a great time. A bunch of people kept asking me about Deshaun, uh, and I just kind of deferred that and said, you know, Deshaun sent me. He didn't want to talk to any of you guys. And just had a, a really good time meeting all the ACC uh, officials and uh, different players from the, throughout the country and different writers and all that. So it was a really a fun time. And at the end of it, all the writers and coaches vote on a preseason ACC team. Well, I started one game at this point, uh, played in every game in my career, but only started one. And I was voted preseason first team all ACC. Now, if you, you think that's, you know, regular, it's absolutely not. But I 100% talked my way into being on the first team all ACC preseason. And it was just hilarious. And, you know, I got texts from all my friends and family saying, you know, how's this happen? This is so cool. You know, we're really excited. But in the back of my head, uh, you know, I'm just sitting there and saying, okay, you know, this is kind of, it's here. Now time to go and prove it. You know, the talking's kind of done. You know, let's go out there and prove it. And just that whole season was unbelievable. And just the, the having Deshaun back there, a uh, phenomenal athlete, as most people know. And if they don't, they're about to find out on Sundays that he's just, he's special and he made it really easy. And that, that was just a really fun season. And when, when you talk about going all the way to the, the national championship against, you know, the man, the Alabama and playing probably the best game of my career, you know, the only way it would have been better is if we would have won, but I absolutely, my favorite game, regardless of the outcome, uh, just because I know that on the offensive side uh, and on that offensive line, we did every single thing that we could uh, to win that game. And th- that's all you can really ask for at the end of the day. Now, you had mentioned that the offensive linemen are a little bit different. What do you mean by that? They're just mean SOBs that are nasty and don't care about anybody. And I'm, you know, I'm a caring, loving guy. So I think that that kind of held me back a little bit. I understand. So you had to <laughs> kind of earn your toughness. Is that right? Yeah, I had to, I had to develop that, man. Like, like I told you, I was a basketball player. So I didn't have that. I didn't have that nasty edge, I guess, at least on the field, on the court. No, I had it. But on the field, I still had to develop it. <laughs> now, so in that national championship game, as you mentioned, just coming up just short, what were the emotions, though, right after that game, knowing that we were that close? Yeah, and, and honestly, I was content playing-wise just because I knew that there was not one single thing more that I could have done to change the outcome, you know. And that was kind of one of my goals going in. You know, you type the little notes to yourself before the game or the night before the game and then read it right before. And mine really just said, you know, go out there, have no regrets, 
give every ounce that you can that you have left for Clemson. And I felt like I accomplished that. And the, the thing, the emotional thing for me that really just got me, you know, tears flowing, you know, feeling weak, you know, your body, you just kind of have to sit down was really the fact that I was done at Clemson. You know, that that was my last time that I was going to be putting that paw on and just walking over to my parents and see that. Thankfully, they were in the front row. It was very special and unreal that they got those seats for the national championship game just because it's a random selection process. But, you know, I saw them right when we run in. They were right there. And so just kind of walking over to them after the game, uh, emotions going crazy with, you know, it wasn't sadness. Like I said, it wasn't sadness that we lost. It was sadness that I was done. And that was just such an overwhelming experience and, you know, very blessed and thankful uh, to have my mom and dad right there to just cry my eyes out to them. I understand. So what was the locker room like after that loss? Um, well, it was, it was, you know, kind of sad. You know, obviously you're losing a game, a big national championship game. You know, we were 14-0, and 0, you know, had been challenged pretty good throughout the season, so felt like we could handle any adversity. But I got in there kind of late. You know, I, I stood out on the field for a while and just really tried to suck, soak it all in. You know, enjoy the best that I could, that, those few moments that I had left with the Paul. So I didn't really get to feel the energy of other teammates. You know, when I got in there, a lot of guys had already showered and got on the bus. But definitely just, you know, being able to experience some stuff with the seniors. There were a lot of older guys still in there when I got in that, at that time. And just really being thankful for the times that we had. I think that overall, we like we all felt the same, that we had, we had done everything that we could. Um, we just weren't ready yet for that moment. You know, so I, I think that's kind of the emotions that were, that were kind of felt. And I kind of missed the overall uh, feeling of the team. I'm sure there was some some tears in there throughout the throughout the night. For sure. Now it's another chapter as you are looking at finish your college career, but now the NFL. So had the NFL been part of your dream once you were in college? Yeah, I think I think so. I think that any uh, you know athlete who aspires to go to college and play football probably aspires you know to go to the NFL as well. So. Definitely something that, you know, I won't say it was a lifelong dream because that would be the NBA, um, but it was definitely <laughs> a dream for a long time, you know, that I had to, to, to go out there and, you know, represent uh, whatever team that I would be playing on. And so now that, that's where we were. We were kind of in that chapter. We had just kind of wrapped up one and on to the next. So I went, I went down and trained in Atlanta uh, and had a great experience there. And just it's a whole new ball game because now it actually is a job. You know, I told you that I first had those feelings. Um, in high school, definitely had them in college, but now it's a, you live it, breathe it, kind of sleep with it every single day. You don't have school uh, for this time being. You're not worried about your girlfriend, your dog, your mom and dad. You know, it's, it's just you getting better and you getting ready to play uh, the highest level of football that we have to offer. So love that. Had a great time down in Atlanta, really trained hard for pro day. You know, I didn't get the, the combine invite. I was a uh, an injury reserve for the combine and an injury reserve for the senior bowl. So that was a little uh, disappointing just with kind of my uh, resume that I thought that I had built through the, uh, throughout my senior year. But, you know, offensive line are kind of weird. They want to see a lot of tape. And I just had one year of that. And so was, was a little disappointed with that. But at the end of the day, you have to control what you can control. So I thought I had a really good pro day, um, you know, had some workouts here and there. And then draft comes by. And, uh, you know, we probably had an idea that we, I wasn't going to be drafted, you know, anywhere from one to four. You know, we kind of knew that that was not in the cards, just, you know, the kind of the, the language that we had gotten back, some intel that we had gotten from my agent and some of the coaches 
So we, we, we weren't sitting there on day one and sitting by the TV and waiting for my name to be called. Uh, but we, you know, we had some family over at day three and that was when we thought it was going to happen. Sitting on the couch, just kind of waiting. Fifth round comes and, uh, you know, I get a call from the Cowboys. And that was actually the team that my father uh, had a tryout for, was in minicamp for, and then got cut. So it was very ironic that I get a call from the Cowboys in the fifth round. And I think they had three picks in that round. Um, and coach calls you and he says, hey, man, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at an offensive lineman right here. How would you like to be a Dallas Cowboy potentially? And I said, coach, you know, that would be awesome. Really excited about that. Um, and he was like, okay, well, no promises, but, you know, I think we're going to take offensive lineman here. And so they, they get up. And they're up for the draft, and they take a wide receiver. And, uh, you know, don't take me. And we were all just like, you know, what the heck? You know, what's going on? I thought that was it. And so nothing nothing happens. So then we get to the seventh round, and I get a call from the Bills. And they're saying, hey, man, we're looking at taking off the lineman here. We really uh, are looking at you, blah, blah, blah. Pick goes by, didn't get called. So the draft's over, and we're all just sitting there kind of in shock. Because, uh, again, you know, God has a different plan. You kind of get hit in the face, and you're just like, what am I going to do? So instantly we're thinking free agency. It would be great. You know, it's going to be a whirlwind. We're going to have a couple calls. Uh, really excited about this. We're going to find out where we're going. Nothing. My phone is dry for three days. And really just, you talk about some soul searching when you have your entire family there uh, to watch you, to celebrate with you. And kind of embarrassing, uh, to be honest, when you, when you have all those people trying to celebrate something for you and then it doesn't happen. But again, you can only control what you can control. A lot of emotions kind of caused by that. But for the next three days, you know, I just kind of put my head down and went to work and was just kind of waiting. But at the same time, you know, you start thinking about plan B and C. Not that I didn't already have those lined up, but they're more realistic now uh, and a little bit earlier than probably I had anticipated. Uh, so I kind of started making those plans, just texting people saying, hey, you know, if I don't hear anything in the next couple of days, this might, you know, be something that we look into Etc. So, so we're going Monday. I'm working out, uh, just trying to stay in shape the best I can. And I get a call from the the Panthers. And you know, this is perfect. My fiance and her whole family love the Panthers. You know, it's right here, close to Clemson, right up in Charlotte. You know, an organization I think very highly of, with some family friends that we have involved in that. And uh, you know, I'm going. You know, this is perfect. We're rookie minicamp, and so we go and really uh, was a, a great experience. Loved every second of it. It's a whole new world, but, but the Panthers do it right. And they, they really remind me of, of kind of the ways that we do things at Clemson. And so very kind of blessed to, uh, to have been able to participate in that and really thought I had a great camp. You know, played well, uh, learned the playbook pretty quickly, but they ended up cutting me. And at that point, you know, I just kind of took a step back and, you know, kind of acknowledged that I was ready to, to move on to something else for my life. Not that I was going to move on from football, but I was going to move on from playing football. And I, I was just ready to take that kind of next step. And so how was it that first morning after waking up when you made that decision and realizing I'm no longer a quote-unquote football player? It was, it was almost a big relief, man, to be honest with you. You know, I didn't really go through that identity crisis that I know a lot of uh, young men and women struggle with when they stop playing. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, I, I find myself in Jesus Christ and God. And, you know, I never really identified as a football player. Yeah, I played football, but I'm a child of God at the end of the day. And I think that that's something that really helped me kind of get through that and something that really helped me to never struggle with it. You know, I know a lot of guys who, you know, go through kind of depression 
and, uh, you know, can't find out who they are. They're kind of lost. And that I never, I never went through that. And that was something that, uh, I'm very happy to say happened and something that I'm very blessed to, to, to be able to find that peace and have that peace, uh, internally. Very well said. So wrapping things up, Eric, what have you learned from sports that you're going to continue to take with you and apply in your next chapter of life? You know, there, there's so many stories, there's so many journeys that you kind of go through uh, as you kind of go through sports. Uh, but one that really, I think, just hits home for all athletes is, is one of my favorite verses, uh, and it's Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And, and, you know, the Bible tells us that we are the light of the world uh, and that when we're set upon a hill, you know, we, we can't be hidden. And I think that that's a direct correlation as, as an athlete. Uh, w- when you decide that day, uh, whenever that is, that, you, that you're going to be an athlete, that you're going to be a football player, a softball player, a basketball player, run track, you're stepping onto a very high uh, and wide pedestal, uh, something that every move that you make uh, is going to be seen. Every move you make is going to be scrutinized. Uh, for good or bad. And so, so we, we kind of have to understand that as athletes and, and the Bible goes on to tell us that in the same way, let your light shine before others. Uh, so, so to me, that kind of is telling us that, you know, if, if people are looking at us, if people are seeing what we're doing, you know, it might as well be a good example. It might as well be something that young kids can, can look at you and aspire to be. Uh, it might, it might as well be something that parents look down upon you from, from the stands and say, man, I, I hope my kids grow up to be that young man or young woman. I hope that, you know, I can teach them enough uh, that they can represent a university, uh, a family, a team in the same manner that that young man or woman does. And so that, that's kind of a, a verse that I learned at a, at a younger age. Um, and maybe the meaning of it for me kind of transformed and uh, got a little more serious. But so I just think as us as athletes, you know, we kind of owe it to our society to be that light, to shine brighter than most, just because we're, we're going to always have uh, the lights back on us, essentially. So, so if you're going to have that spotlight, you know, why not use it for the greater good? So, no, those were very wise words indeed. And do you have any other words of wisdom that you would like to share? I think one thing that uh, kind of stuck with me, and it's not from really a, a sports perspective per se or a biblical perspective. We were in a team meeting one time uh, with Coach Sweeney, who, who is a man of many words and has probably books upon books of great sayings that, that he has told us throughout the years. But one thing that kind of hit home in particularly to me was he told us that no matter who you're talking to, no matter where you are, always treat it and handle it like you're being interviewed. Because really we are. It goes. It kind of goes back to my whole pedestal thing. But, you know, I could be talking to some guy who's you know, in a jumpsuit and, you know, he's working hard, but one day that guy's going to be a CEO and the way that me and him uh, interacted that day, uh, you know, can change his opinion of me. And I really think that so often, you know, athletes can be careless in, in kind of the things they say and, and we never really know who's listening or who's watching. Uh, so if you can kind of conduct yourself in that, that interview, that professional kind of at all times uh, mindset, you know, I think that you'll be in a good place. Those are definitely wise words, wise words indeed, that's for sure, Eric. And now, one other question I do have, though, before we wrap up. Come on. It, it goes to your name. How often is your name incorrectly <laughs> pronounced? <laughs> Man, more than you think. It's terrible. You know, it's very unfortunate that my family decided to, to make that such a difficult name for people to understand. 
Uh, but it's something I'm very proud of. So, so when I do correct people, you know, I hope that they, uh, they don't take it the wrong way. It's just something that I'm, that I'm very, very proud of. But yeah, I've heard, I've heard them all, man. And it's, it's bad at sometimes, especially when it's on legal paperwork and, and they spell it wrong or they, you know, put, don't put a space in it because that just messes everything up when with other legal documents. So it's a, it's a fun thing to have to deal with for sure. I understand. Well, Eric Mac Lane, thank you so much for your time today. I greatly appreciate it. And I know there's a, a bright future ahead of you, sir. Rich, I appreciate it. It's great talking with you, man. And anything you need, you just let me know. We'll make it happen. Okay. I still don't understand how he could gain that much weight. And again, I want to know what type of calories he was putting in each and every day to maintain that type of weight. And it's just unbelievable how somebody could do that. But it's also interesting just to hear his story in terms of he never went through that process of an identity crisis of no longer being a football player. And I have heard that is a real thing that other athletes do go through that, that their identity is almost taken away when they decide to no longer play their particular sport. And obviously, Eric was able to lean on his faith, and that's helped him tremendously not to fall in that rut of depression and not knowing who you are. And I'm excited that he's very excited about his next career path and this new chapter in his life. And I know he's going to do great things. And I'm looking forward to watching what he does because he's just a very likable guy. And it's hard not to understand why so many people gravitated towards him and why he was always in front of the microphone whenever you saw any Clemson players being interviewed because he's just very entertaining and just a down-to-earth guy. So I'm, I'm excited for him without a doubt. Well, that finishes up episode number 20. We're just continuing each and every episode, and I thank you for listening. And the main thing, just remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.